love Jesus. He was raised to know Jesus, but he doesn't know Jesus. And so every day I'm going to call my sister who knows Jesus and I'm going to pray in agreement over the salvation of her oldest son all the way in Texas over the phone every single day, you guys, until the spiritual warfare that's going on for the battle of my oldest nephew's life is broken. Because Matthew 18 says, where two or more are gathered and pray in agreement, I will hear their prayers and I will answer. So what is it, is it in your life, guys? Think about it. What is it? And who are you going to pray in agreement with? Because we are going to be a church of prayer at AFC. And we are going to see the strongholds of the enemy broken over the next few weeks and over the next couple months. Because we are going to be a church of prayer. Let's continue to worship this morning and praise our Father. Let's worship this morning, you guys.
voice again. Praise the Father. Praise the God for meeting us in this place God thank you for your word God that says Lord because today there are two or more people in this space Lord with like-mindedness God that have your heart and so God because of that you have chosen God to meet us in this space in the sweetest way and we thank you and we praise you for that Lord Jesus this morning Lord as we've taken time out Lord to think about the strongholds Lord Jesus about the things in our life Lord Lord, about the spiritual battles, God, about the spiritual warfare, Lord, the things that we carry heavy on our hearts, Lord, maybe the things that no one even knows about, Lord, the burdens that we carry closest to our hearts, Lord, the things we pray about, God, maybe in secret. Maybe they're the things, God, that we've prayed about so long that we don't even mention to anybody else anymore. Maybe we've prayed about them for months. Maybe we've prayed about them for years. Maybe they've become those things that we just tag on to the end of our prayer list because they've been so repetitive. They feel almost like a broken record when we say them to you. Lord Jesus, but these are the things, God, that we need to bring back to the forefront and we need to go to battle, God. So this morning, Lord Jesus, we bring these things back up, God, and we promise you, Lord, and we commit to you. Lord, that we are going to pray in agreement over these things in our life, Lord, and we are going to take the enemy captive over these areas of our life, Lord, that we hold so dear. The enemy has no place here, God, and we at AFC are a people of prayer. And so, Lord, we take authority this morning, Lord, over every power and over every authority and over every dominion that would seek to discourage would seek to tear down, would seek to have us look to the left or to the right or any place other, Lord, than to maintain eye contact with you, our creator. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. Lord, our, our eyes are open and our ears are ready to hear from you. Speak through Joe today, Lord, as he speaks to us, Lord. We love you and we praise you, Lord. And all the people said, Amen. 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 Wow. Feels like God is just really present. Praise God. So glad that He's here with us today and His Spirit is with us. There's like smoke, it's kind of creepy, right? Yeah, yeah. Just got to get you in the mood and the place, you know? Are you feeling it? Well, 
Well, I just wanted to get you, thank you, Lily, get you into the place of just thinking about haunting, thinking about a haunted heart. Um, I hope that these last couple of weeks that you've really been taking to heart the things that God has just placed on my heart for you. And um, I hope that this week you'll kind of continue that journey. And um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 12. But before we get there, I want to just ask you just some opening questions. Opening question number one. I want to ask you, have you ever had victory right, in your spiritual walk with the Lord? Have you ever had victory? All right, just say amen, okay? Have you ever had victory in a place and then gone back to that place sometime later and reopened that door? I would have to say that most likely many of us, and maybe it's not a big thing, maybe it's an attitude, a heart, maybe it's attaching yourself to a thought or to a, I don't know what it may be, but I would probably beg to say today that many of us at some point have stepped back to those places where we once had victory. And so as we get into the scripture today, I want you to know a couple of things. And I want you to know right off the bat that the enemy isn't very smart. And so in order for us, and and those of you who haven't been with us, you know I've just been really kind of trying to understand the enemy better in this so that I understand how he's going to come at me, so that I understand better how to allow the Spirit to work through me. And and so what I want to say to you is that the enemy isn't that smart, and so oftentimes the enemy has to come back in the same way he came to us before. And I hope this leads you well into this scripture this morning. If you would, stand for the reading of God's word. It's going to be in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 and 45. I would encourage you, though, however, sometime in the week to go and uh, kind of start at Matthew chapter 12 as you're reflecting on the message and start in verse 38, kind of give you some background. But we're going to go specifically here to what Jesus said. Can you say, Jesus said? And I believe that his words are so powerful. I believe that when we listen to the words that Jesus spoke, it is so powerful if we would allow those to penetrate our hearts because he spoke them out of his physical mouth on the physical earth that you reside in and on today. And so I hope today that you can receive these words. Think about this. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, now right there I want you to know Okay, that there has been some kind of move. Okay, some kind of move. And obviously is a parable, but here's Jesus talking about real life situations. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places. So you got, you got to think, like, when you get rid of and you move forward and you move away from, uh, the spirit of evil has to go somewhere. So it goes to a desertless or waterless desert place. And interestingly enough, Jesus says here about the demon, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. He's giving us some insight. Seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. Okay, church, I know we don't like to think about the spirit realm or the spirit world, but it is real and the enemy is after you and it's how he works. And the bottom line is, is Jesus being as wise as he was is giving us information so we're aware of how he works. And and I don't care if you don't believe it or not, it's truth and Jesus spoke it, so it's like really incredible truth. And he's saying when you get rid of that demon, when you step away from that sin, when you step away from that lifestyle, when you step out of that mess and you go forward and the enemy has nowhere to go, He knows something. He knows where you've been. And so Jesus says he comes back. Then it says, I will return to my house. My, come on now, it ain't 
It ain't his, my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house three ways. Empty, swept, and put in order. Now that sounds like a good home, right? So I would like to just go in and be empty, swept, and put, put in order. But anyway, um, most of it's my fault. So then it goes and brings with it, whoa. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits, more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. God, today, God, there is so much truth in these words that Jesus spoke. A truth that I believe in this generation, in this day, and in this hour. You desire to speak to us. So God, we come against the enemy who has a scheme and a plan about today in the name of Jesus, and we just pray that your fullness would come. We pray that your revelation, we also pray for victory. We pray for letting go. God, we pray for the strength of your spirit to stand against the re-entering. And so today, in the name of Jesus, we trust and stand together. We've already been in your presence. We're in your presence, and we would pray that your presence would continue to reign here. Speak to us, God, and engage us. In the name of Jesus, we ask all these things. Amen. All right, you ready for this? Can you say heart? All right, good. That's easy, right? Heart. Well, obviously, Jesus here is not talking about an actual house. Guess what he's talking about? Your Look at you. Like, that's the best one so far. So the bottom line is he's talking about our heart. He's talking about the enemy, the demon, stepping into a heart. It's not talking about exterior. In fact, Jesus is talking about the heart, which is the seat which is the place where our affections are, our loyalties are. It's like the center of who we are. And the heart is so valuable. And I've been saying this simple truth every week that God looks at the heart, right? So the enemy has to go after the heart. So two things here, um, actually two problems. Now, many of us would say, well, man, a clean house is great, right? Wouldn't you like to go home to like a perfectly clean house right now? Yes, that'd be so relaxing. You eat here, let your kids play, then go home and just chill in a clean house. And anyway, but here, interestingly enough, Jesus says it's a problem. So there's two things I want to establish before we step through these three moves. An empty house is a problem. Now, when I first got to Anderson and had the privilege of just kind of being with different leaders in town and trying to figure out how we can really see revitalization come, hey, don't worry about it, it's fine, we'll clean up later. Um, just don't walk across the front, okay? Um, revitalization come, I walked through some houses that have been empty for years. Now, you know what an empty house that's been empty for years looks like? Now, there was nothing in it, I still remember it, nothing in it, but it was empty. Like things had started to grow, there was webs everywhere, like it just, you could tell, it had been empty for some time. Now Jesus says here, right, when the demon came back, found the house empty. And Jesus doesn't show it as a good thing. Second thing that's really important, a clean house set for the ages is not good. Now, I want you to get this, okay, because you're going to see it in the first point when I talk about it. But the bottom line, what Jesus was saying is a one-work Christian, a one-work Christian is a one-work Christian. And if you're a one-work Christian that's relying on a work that happened a long, long time ago, when that demon, when that evil spirit, when that thing that plagues you, when that thing that haunts you comes back, and you're a one-work Christian, get ready. 
get ready. So let's talk a second just about, um, I hate to say it, but demons, okay? We learned some things here. The one thing we learned is that demons need a host. So, so demons need a place to reside in. And you say, well, where do you get that? Actually, it's all through scripture. Unfortunately, we just don't talk about it in the church, right? Because we want to kind of avoid that. We don't want to think about it. We want to act like it doesn't exist. Yet Jesus dealt with demons all the time. In fact, demons even spoke back to Jesus, and I'll just use the one that I think all of us could relate to or remember, and that is when he went to the, and all the demons, the legion, they spoke back, and, and they didn't want to go over the cliff they wanted or wherever they wanted to go in the pigs or somewhere else, and so church, they're real. Jesus dealt with them. He addressed them. They didn't just go away because he went to heaven. And so demons require a host. You can find that in Matthew 8, 28 through 34. We also know that heavenly beings and humanly, human beings, right, do not thrive in isolation. Well, what do you mean? Come on now, church. The heavenly beings were created to what? Be together, to worship God, to honor God, to glorify him, to work together, to be unified. They were not created to be in isolation. Church, it's why we got to know about the enemy. The enemy wasn't created to be in isolation. It's partly why he's after you. Because the enemy needs a place to be. We also know that humans, and we talked about this last week, do not thrive in isolation. In fact, we're learning that even from the effects, no matter where you fall, there are like a lot of effects from COVID and the isolation that is coming out now and people's mental health and all of that. It's not good. We weren't created to be isolated. We were created to be unified together, one in the spirit of God. And so here, Jesus gives us other facts about demons and about humans. We also know that demons don't thrive in isolation, but they also don't thrive when they're not tormenting others. Now, what do you mean? I'm going to make a statement. You finish it, okay? Misery likes? Yes, right? You know, miserable people, you know what they like to do? Go get other miserable people, or maybe people that are just on the verge of being miserable and saying, hey, I'm going to really make you miserable. You know what I'm saying? They just have a way of seeing you. You happen to have a half bad day, and what do they do? They come swoop you up, and all of a sudden, you're all in misery, and, right? Because misery likes company. Here's kind of, now this is Joe theology, just for one minute. Are you ready for it? Say Joe theology. So don't take it as the Bible or anything from the Wesleyan commentary. But Joe theology is this demon that Jesus is talking about, even though it's a parable, the bottom line is it really happens or he wouldn't say it. And so th this demon doesn't like to not be doing what it, which is tormenting people. And I kind of feel like if he has a place to go and torment someone, then maybe he's not thinking about his own torment. Right? Because if he's tormenting you, he probably has a little bit of peace, and Jesus actually says it gives them rest. You know why? Because they're after you and not thinking about their end, because their end is what? Not very good if you read Revelation. And so for a minute when they're with you, they're torturing you and not thinking about their own torture, not thinking about what they left, not thinking about their end. And so evil needs a place, and evil always enlarges it never just stays small. Come on now, the world, right? It never just stays small. Evil has got to have a place and has got to grow. Okay, so I'm gonna take you through three things. Say three. three. All right, three things that Jesus said here that's tremendously significant, okay? And the first is this. 
And, and here's the deal. When you leave here today, my hope for you is that we, if you've already left what's haunting you, or if you're living in what's haunting you, that you would leave it. First thing, Jesus establishes that the heart was clean. So when the unclean spirit leaves, let's start with that. So the bottom line is Jesus starts with, right, a, a spirit that, or a heart that wasn't clean, that is now clean. Are you all with me? Clean, not clean, clean. It was gone. So somewhere here, there was a victory. Somewhere here, there was a tremendous move of the movement of God to where they left whatever it was that plagued them and the house was in order. When you look at um, the translation, and many of us could what? Celebrate victories in places that we've been that we're no longer, we talk a lot about it in church and we've been in a place now we're not anymore and God has moved us forward. Um, Wesley says this, that um, it's also relating, and if you read before that, to the Pharisees, that like things are good, right, but they're not present. Wesley actually says there's an element of reflection towards them, of really dealing with like ritual purity, placement purity, and exterior purity. And I think many of us at some point in our lives have dealt with people that are living in exterior purity, and then they take their exterior purity and look at you, and if you're not exteriorly pure, then they feel like you're not pure, and yet it's really about the heart. There's people that live out rituals, and that's their faith, but again, that has nothing to do with the heart. And so Jesus here found a house that was empty. Jesus here found a house that wasn't present when he showed up. And here's what Jesus really found, and here's the core crux problem of it all. The demon came back to a place that once had victory and not only did not find the, the spirit present, but did not find the spirit of God present. And so what Jesus is actually talking about here, number one, is that there was no activity. There was no activity. Church, it's like this. I've heard so many testimonies in all the churches that I've been in. And sometimes those testimonies will come and I, in my youngness, I don't say this now, I say, when was that? Well, you know, 38 years ago, I'm like, gosh. Because in my youth mind, I'm thinking, you don't reflect that. Now, in my adult mind, I think it, but I don't say it. Sometimes I said it as a kid, right? I go home and say, Mom, so-and-so, they're saved? Like, she's like, oh, honey, of course. I'm like, oh, gosh, didn't they just tell you off last week when you didn't show up to the practice? I mean, that's the same person, right? I mean, I, there's one person in particular I'm thinking of, right? I'm like, because you were sick, you didn't come, you didn't play. Then the next thing they told you off because you, you should have pushed through the sickness, that's that same person. Now, church, Jesus is saying when the demon shows up and the person isn't there and I'm not there, then it's just an inactive heart. You know, there's abandoned homes, actual homes that people go in and do things in that aren't of God. In fact, it's happening all over here. We're, we're trying to work on that. We're trying to address that. Because, see, an empty house isn't good and an empty heart isn't good. An empty heart that was once unclean that's now clean, but empty of that person and Jesus is dangerous. It's dangerous. And so right away, Jesus is saying that victory can only, been, can only be had when the presence of Jesus is there, when the Spirit of God is there. The lack of activity makes room for you fill it in. Think about this statement for yourself personally today. Do you have a sense of preservation 
Do you have a sense of just preserving what was, what happened? Or do you have an urgency in your heart to remain intimately connected and active with the current move of the Spirit of God? See, what Jesus was saying here is that this all could have been eliminated if I was present, if I was there, if there was something found when the demon got there. So I think we all have to ask ourselves, is our heart empty, cleaned up, living on a past, or is it actively seeking the heart of Jesus so when the demon shows up, Jesus is there and he doesn't even have any rights? Second thing Jesus talks about is the return. Can you say the return? All right, unfortunately, like whenever I say the return, I think of like all kinds of movies and trilogies. And so anyway, you know, I just, I won't say them all, but they're in my head. And, and uh, interestingly enough, um, I want to kind of just share a little story with you. Um, we lived in multiple houses. First service, I had two. Then I started thinking, well, I was born in my grandfather's house and then I lived in the trail. But anyway, two, two that I really remember. Um, but I pastored as a youth pastor in Seashore, um, New Jersey, which was like three miles of the beach one way, three miles of the bay the other way, and it was beautiful. Oprah had a house there, and Tom Cruise had a house there. If you ever want to know the story about Oprah, come see me, and I'm going to tell you about it. Um, but when she came in town, because a little town, everything shut down. Roads shut down, cleaners shut down. Like, we knew they would announce when she was coming in, because everything got cleared out and stopped in certain areas, um, just because security and all that. But anyway, that's not what it's about. But when I would drive home to my parents, which is an hour and a half another way, um, I would pass one of my childhood homes. Now I say this and stretching myself and I'm online and so who knows who's listening, but they were some hard years. I lived in a room that was the dining room that you walked into that had a curtain. I was on one side of the curtain, the table and all the other stuff was on the other side and on and on. But one day I decided going back, I was just in a bad place mentally and you know when you're in a bad place mentally you shouldn't go to a place that reminds you of bad things, right? Just say amen, okay? So anyway, I decided I'm gonna drive down there and live in this like misery because misery likes company and I pulled up. I'll never forget this. I looked to the left, which was the direction of the house and it was like it just flooded. I can still remember the yelling I can still remember as I got out of the car and walked around the back, they weren't home. When I looked back there, I can remember my brother getting bit by a dog, me getting yelled at, the screaming in the house. The, now, not everything was bad, but it was rough. And I'd always driven by that road. I had to drive by it every time I went. I always thought, I should just go back in. I should just go back in. But when I was always in a good place, I never went back there because I didn't want to go back there. But what's interesting is I pulled up, and it was like, it, I'll just be honest, it was like 15 years later, it was run down. It was worse than it was. But I knew exactly where everything was. I walked up. I knew where the dining room was. I knew where the kitchen was. I knew the small bathroom. I knew the little room that my brother had. How did my brother get a room and I didn't? I was older. Like, oldest don't get everything. Okay, anyway, and then the other bedroom and the little living room. And then right around the corner, I, I could see the, the backyard and all the things that happened in the backyard. I knew it. I knew how to get around. I hadn't been there in 15 years. I knew everything. I looked in the window. I could have walked. I could have given anybody a tour of that place. Not only a tour of the physical building, but I could have given it a tour of the history of the building. Church, let me tell you why Jesus said. Let, let me tell you why Jesus said inactivity is so dangerous. Because when the demon couldn't find a place in the desert, because it was waterless, and the demon needed a host 
the demon went back to what it knew. And it turned around and went back to its previous host. And pulled up on the street and looked in and said, I know this place. I know how to get around. I know where to go. And so it returned. And it began to watch for an opening. It began to see, because see, it can't be where Jesus is. And so there's actually in the parable some time, some observation to make sure that the presence of God wasn't there because you know what? When the presence of God is somewhere, the enemy knows. Think about the Old Testament. Church, let's just be real. The Old Testament had multiple times, right? Where people like had incredible movements of God and then they turned around and went back. <laughs> went back to their disobedience, opened back up the doors. Think about Lot. I don't, if you don't know the Bible, ask me later, but think about Lot. And his wife, she turns around and what? Turns into salt because she looked back. Church, when we look back, it's dangerous. When we step back, it's dangerous. Jesus was saying here, when you go back, the demons know and understand when we go back. I guess some questions, are you living in a place of victory? But that, that place of victory might be getting a little shaky. Or maybe you're not living in that place of victory anymore. The enemy's already stepped back in. It's already taken back the space. The return has already happened. See, church, inactivity leads to activity. Inactivity without Jesus leads to activity for the enemy. Leaves space, leaves room, leaves... So maybe the return is on the horizon. Maybe you're in that place... Maybe today you need to think about the third thing, and this is what's crazy. The return was greater than the original. The return was greater than the original. What do you mean? Well, here, here's what's crazy, and you'll, if you're a theologian, you'll know this, but the uh, demon finally came to the conclusion, I'm going to go back, but I can't go back. You know why? Because the victory I had before, somehow they figured me out. And they accessed power outside of me and outside of them and kicked me out. And so I'm kicked out because they know a little bit. So I can't go in there on my own because they've got some tools, right? As you grow in Christ, you get some tools and you get some knowledge and wisdom. It's why we're challenging the men of the church that are in years, in spiritual years, to really be with the younger men and help them and grow with them. Because the demon recognized, and Jesus said the demon recognized, the demon can't go on its own. So what does the demon do? Jesus said the demon went and got seven, seven, and itself makes eight, which historically speaking is very significant and whole. So the demon knew exactly what he was doing. And you know what else the demon did on the return? He went and got demons wiser than himself. Mm. So you tell me when a past victory, that demon or that haunting is sitting back at your front door, that it's not harder to resist, that it's not harder to, you know why? Because the enemy's smart. And so the enemy's coming back at you with more than he started with. And this comes from Jesus. Jesus said, be prepared. If you're not with me, the enemy will come back with more to, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, let's just be honest. There is some stuff that grows in us, right? Outside of the spirit, we get some knowledge and we get some wisdom in fact, the world is always talking about self-help and recovery and all those things. 
And so we've got some wisdom. And so no matter what, if we've had victory over something, we've got some wisdom. But so does the enemy. And so the enemy came back with seven and immediately did what? Rallied up and stepped in. And now not only is this person dealing with one, they're dealing with eight. Eight. You ever stepped back into something that God pulled you out of? You know how hard it is when you step back? And then he pulls you out again and you go back and you step back again. You know how hard it is to, it's like the fall gets bigger, it gets greater, it gets harder to, you know why? Because the enemy doesn't just come back at you like the start. That demon needed some support. So, the outcome in this parable is the problem. Why? Well, Scripture tells us what. And so that person is worse off than before. <sighs> you ever been worse off than before? Yeah. So what does it boil down to? Church, it boils down to the greatest struggle that the church of this day, not this church, but just the church in general is dealing with, and that is called inactivity. God comes and he saves, you know how many people that I have watched get healed? And then three years later, you would think they never were healed? And I don't just mean from, I've seen it all from physical to emotional to, to habits to, to lifestyles to, and then I, I see him down the road and it's like, what happened? Well, I mean, you look older than you should. You look more worn out than God intends you. And you look defeated. I said this to someone recently, not from this church. You know why? Because the enemy came back with guns loaded. You know why? Because the enemy came back with more than before and went at it in every direction. The outcome is the problem because the demons did rally. The demons did reestablish. The demons came back with a plan and they stepped right in. They stepped right in. The redwelling causes the destruction of the person, the heart, and the house. So, let me tell you one last thing that I always say, and then I want to just pray with you. Demons know something that you don't know and that I don't know. They've seen some things that you haven't seen yet and that I haven't seen yet. And that is they were a part of heaven, and I keep going back to this. They were a part of heaven, and they decided to step away from that. That's a problem, church, because they saw all that got all the things that we read about in the Bible, the place that God's preparing, the home, the, they've seen that, they understand that, and they decided to step away from it. Now, that's theologically significant in itself. But they stepped away from that knowing what it was. And church... This parable is Jesus saying, when you step away from what you know is good and beautiful and wholesome and everything that I have for you, you're stepping into danger. You're stepping into uncharted waters. You're stepping into a place where the enemy is going to watch you from the street and get ready 
The enemy's going to watch you step away from patterns and habits and, and just when you're at the place where you're completely empty, nothing's there, he's going to step in with all that he's got and reestablish his place in your heart. And so church, the question is today, these are Jesus' words. Are you going to fortify? Are you going to build up? Are you going to let those places that are empty be filled with the presence of God? Are you going to take those inactive places in your life? You know what they are. Church, you've got to be thinking about them because the enemy's thinking about them. You've got to be thinking about them because he's at the street looking at the house waiting. Jesus said it in his own words. And so how are you preparing to not let him in? How are you pulling out of your driveway and turning to him and saying, guess what, I locked everything up, I'm going here and I'll be back, so don't bother going in. How are you saying to the enemy, you know what, not today, because Jesus is with me today. And the problem with this house and the problem that Jesus basically didn't say was that he wasn't there. And if he was there, that demon would have never got in. And so if he's with you, right, if he's with you, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be concerned. Why? Because you're actively working. Why? Because you're actively moving. Why? Because the Spirit of God is moving in you. In church, I'd rather get rid of one than get rid of seven. But when a heart's tasted victory and then says, I'm going to step out of victory, gosh, get prepared. Get ready. Because the next step isn't going to be easy. The re entering and then the re removing is hard. So it boils down to this resistance takes activity. So, where in your life is the enemy looking at you and saying, Hey, I don't see much activity there. I'm going to swoop in there. Hey, I don't see much happening, so I'm going to swoop in there. Church, start building up those areas. Start, and I hate to say this, but stop being lazy. America is full of lazy Christians. You know, there's many nations in this world where you can't be a lazy Christian. Because not only is the enemy after your heart, but they're after your family. They're, they're at your door. They're at your... But because we're in America, we get to be lazy. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter. The enemy wants your heart. He doesn't actually want your home, your physical home. He wants your heart. And he is waiting at a lot of driveways. He's waiting on a lot of streets of the people that stepped into church today all around the United States. He's waiting at their driveway when they get home. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to start building in such a way. Come on, church, right? Building in such a way that you just wave and say, no, not today. You can stay in the driveway. You have no rights here. In fact, why don't you go down the street? Because I don't even want to see you. And you act like maybe I'm crazy because I'd say speak it out. Say it out. When those fears enter, speak into them. Speak the presence of move of Jesus into them. Come on now, church. You've got to wake up. He is after you. Jesus actually said this. He said the enemy is waiting to re-enter. And he's waiting to enter a previously unclean, now clean place that's empty. Because you went and drove this place when you shouldn't be there and you left the house empty for the... We have got to start building barriers around our heart and protecting it like it's the gift that it is. Which it is the gift that will be filled by the presence of God that will get you through Jesus to heaven, a place that the enemy left and is mad about.
God, today, I know that the enemy is waiting at some driveways, waiting at some streets, waiting around the corner to enter back into places where you have stepped into. And so today, let us step into your victory. Today, let us stand with you. Today, let us put barriers around. Today, let us actually be open with one another. Let us look across the room and say, you know what, I need you to partner with me. I need you to pray with me. I need you to rise up with me. God, let us be willing and open to share. Let us be past conviction and let us be past that mess and let us stand in your wholeness. And so today, God, I'm gonna pray just over each and every person here that they would have victory, that they would not go back to places that once had victory, but no longer had victory. God, we pray for victory across this room. We pray that people will step into your light, that we pray that people today would stay active with your presence, with your spirit, with your movement. We come against the enemy in the name of Jesus. He has no rights over me. He has no rights over the people here. We are yours. And so God, let us stand with you. We love you, we praise you, and we pray that you would go and move them from our driveways, move them from our hearts, move them from the streets, Lord. And so we trust and love you, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Now I wanna say one more thing, don't go anywhere. Can I have the lights on? I know I said this. I'm saying this in every service because I really feel like this is just the truth, okay? I I want you to probably admit that some of you here today, you're living in the fullness of God. So your heart is full of the presence of God. So you know what the enemy does? He has to show up and do things. Like, have you ever heard of this, uh, like, bad things happen in threes? You ever hear of that? Like, I don't know. It happens in the church. It's like we lose three people in a row, and then we don't lose somebody for, for months. Or we have situations where, like, three people get sick or seven people in a row, and it just feels like the enemy just keeps coming after us. And, and you come to me, and you say, you know what? This happened, this happened, and this happened, but he's not, he's not getting me. Praise God. Because you know what, church? Maybe, maybe it's not a hard issue. Maybe he ain't in your driveway and he's not in your heart and he's not on your street. But boy, he's coming after you. So he's coming after your back. He's coming after your kid. He's coming after your property. He's coming after your job. He's using... But church, I promise you, I hear week by week, you know what? I know the enemy was in this, but I'm not stepping aside. I know that the enemy's after my, all I'm gonna do is commit it to prayer. I know that this happened because of, I'm gonna commit it to prayer and stand with God. Church, you've got to stand with God because you know what the enemy does? He's going to keep trying. And you know what? I've heard some say over the years, it gets harder. Yes, it does. You know why? Because seven didn't work. So he got eight and he thought he'd be tricky and do the complete number. Well, then eight didn't work. So he went to 16. Then he went to 20. And you know what? God is still with you at 18. He's still with you at 20. If you're in a battle right now, but you're not giving up he's with you now you are a Christian you are his you've got his spirit in your heart Jesus is saying don't go back because I'm telling you the world is hard because the enemy and it says it and John Wesley said it in the commentary and I read it this week evil grows and so evil has to go somewhere because it's growing and it needs a host and I want all of you that are standing with Christ and are saying this message meant nothing to me well praise God Praise God that you're standing with and that you've got him in your heart so when you go out and he comes at you with something else, just recognize what it is. Stop saying it's God and say it's the enemy and say, no, not today. And you know what? If you want to come at me tomorrow, no, not tomorrow either. Start speaking out. Start standing up. Start throwing him out of the places that he wants to come in because Jesus tells us he's not welcome. And so as his people, we need to say, you're not welcome. And so go out, be with God, allow the presence to move. And you know what? When bad things come, it's going to come, church. I'm sorry. 
I'd love to stand here and say it's not, but it is. You know why? Because he wants his fate to be your fate. He already decided it's his, his fate, but your fate ain't decided yet. So stand with him, because Jesus said all of you can be with me. So be with him, stand with him. Don't give in, stand strong, bind together, look around this room, get over yourselves and <laughs> unite together and walk with each other and love each other and care for each other so when you go out and you pass them on the street, you just pass them on the street, okay? I love you all, God bless you, okay? Go get your children. We have food downstairs for you. The kids are gonna play and have activities and the parents are gonna watch the children's workers work.